You guys are pretty awesome. Y'all know that? You really are. I've been to a lot of churches. And uh, you can put the energy in a little bitty bottle in a lot of, a lot of churches. Uh, the, the going through the motions thing. I've done that. I mean, I'm probably most of y'all have. Maybe some of you did it this morning. Just kind of showed up and went through the motions. And that's okay. You know, God's going, he's working on you. He's working on all of us. We, we sang this song called Working on a Building. <laughs> we used to have a lot of fun with it. We'll probably do it again sometime, maybe the next picnic. Uh, but God's, we're a building, and uh, God's continually remodeling us. <laughs> Anybody need remodeling? So, so today, maybe you're going to get some remodeling taking place. Um, it's the last week, uh, as far as I can tell, the Holy Spirit has shown me, is, uh, Holy Spirit is, is we're going to be in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, yes, I did get a haircut. And I know a lot of you are really just being nice. How many of you went, went to somebody and you gave them specific? I brought my mama with me. I said, honey, come tell this guy how to cut my hair. Wasn't Pam. He's out of town, so. And uh, she gave him specific instructions. I was sitting in the chair. I knew what he was, how he was going to cut my hair. But he would never would let me see the mirror. So I should have known something was up. And he was a believer. We talked about the Lord. You know, he'd been down to Mexico. and So, okay, I trust this guy. But then Mary Lou has to go to the store, and then she comes back in. We're in Austin. And she walks in with this look like, And I'm like, what, 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 what? Am I bleeding or something? And um, it, was, it was catastrophic. I just got to tell you, I had to, it's catastrophic. It's a new younger me. It's a new season. He has a new haircut for a new season. Anyway, it is what it is, you know. Women, they'll just, they'll go bananas over something like that. But when guys go, hey, it's going to grow back or it ain't. It's what it is. So it is what it is. So thank you for being nice and saying, hey, Pastor, your hair looks nice. I go, what hair? It's gone on the sides. Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. We're in, a, we're in a series called Seasons. That's why we have these beautiful depictions of the seasons on our stage. And uh, somebody came in here the other day and said, man, y'all have so much color in here. It's so cool. Uh, I've been to churches where it's dark. I've been to churches where there's no, it's just blah. And we just, we like to, and that's why we have lights and ceiling and we like Christmas all the time. King Solomon wrote this in his latter years. Remember last week I told you he was really in his, 1 Kings 11, you can go and find out about his last, his last years. To everything there's a season, a time for every purpose under, he, under heaven. Now the word season there means a set time. So it's to everything there's a set time, there's a time for every purpose under heaven. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, a time to pluck what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down, a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh and a time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. And a time to gain, a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away. Now, we've already preached through all of those verses so far. So if you want to go back and catch up, you can go on our website on live stream and click on it and archive and you can see these sermons that I've already preached, uh, three sermons. 
So today we're ending it with the last two verses uh, of, this, of this prose that uh, Solomon is writing. And he says in verse 7, there's a time to tear and a time to sow. There's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. There's a time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So throughout this, this series, God has shown me that how would we take these verses? How would we take these, these words of wisdom from the wisest man in the world at that time and how would we apply them to us today? Because I believe the Bible from Genesis to Revelation still is, is applicable to us in some, some ways, in some form, some fashion, that God still wants us to read all of his word. He wants us to have the whole counsel of God. I know some pastors or preachers, they focus on one little segment of the word, but I believe that we're to preach the whole counsel of God. If we're going to be well-balanced believers, we need to know the word of God from Genesis to Revelations, uh, Revelation. I used to say revelations, but it's just revelation. And, and, and if possible, go into the maps, okay, and learn the maps. Okay. So far, went over your heads. We're here this morning. You are here this morning by an appointment. How many of you make appointments? How many of you missed an appointment before? I missed the most crucial appointment I ever missed was a wedding. Not my own. But I missed, a, I missed a wedding. I mean, I was a young preacher. And, and the, this, I don't remember, we didn't have a building at the time. And this girl had visited our church. And, and she had a, 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 her fiancé lived in, I think, Minnesota. And he was going to come down. And we were supposed to do a wedding at the visitor center. And so normally, I, normally weddings have a rehearsal. And so that reminds me that there's going to be a wedding the next day. But this one, there was no rehearsal. And so I had gone swimming with, with I think Preston was a little bitty, and we, were, we had gone swimming. So it's been a long time ago. And uh, we, were, we were at a swimming pool having a good time. And, and I get home, and, and I've, you know, wet. I mean, I've changed clothes and all that. But I get home, and I, you look pretty bad. And I hit the, the, the answer machine. Some of y'all don't know what those are, but it's a little thing that records people's messages. <clears throat> and it went like this. Pastor Harold, this is, boop, where are you? I went, what? Pastor Harold, this is, boop, uh, we're down at the Vista Center. Are you going to be here? We, we're, you know, we're getting married this morning. That third, fourth, fifth message, and I'm going, oh, Lord, help me. I forgot a wedding. I missed an appointment. I went and threw some clothes on. I don't know what I had on, but I threw some clothes on. I got in the car. I probably broke the law and sped down to the Vister Center. And I pull up, and there's nobody at the Vister Center. And I, I run up to the I run up to this lady that works there. She said, you must be the pastor. <laughs> yeah. I said, they're not here, are they? No, sir, they called the justice of the peace, and he came and did the wedding. And I felt like, like really small. And so I said, do you happen to know where they went? And she said, yeah, they went to Miss Hattie's. And I thought, well, I can bite the bullet, and I can go and just you know, lay it before them. I'm sorry, and I apologize. And so I got in the car, drove to Miss Hattie's. I walked in. They had that big room reserved, and they all saw me. There was like 40 people there. 
all sitting nice and dressed up. And I walk in like, hi. And uh, they just started laughing. They just, you know, they knew. They could tell by the look on my face that I was devastated. And they forgave me. I have not missed a wedding since. But, you know, when you miss an appointment, sometimes it can be, it can be difficult. Uh, sometimes they're very important times that we, in some, somehow, some way, that the enemy likes to keep us from making appointments. So there are probably people that were supposed to be here this morning that they allowed the enemy to talk them out of it. They walked out the front to get the paper and saw it was foggy and said, that's enough for me. Okay? How many of you, the enemy's talked you out of doing some things that you knew you were supposed to do? Come on, be honest. Miss some appointments. See, we miss the, it's one thing to miss a doctor's appointment. It's another to miss a spiritual appointment when God has something for you. So I just believe this morning God has something for us. Uh, that's why we prepare. That's why we present. That's why we get to, that's why we do what we do is because we know people are here for a defined reason. Maybe it's your day to get saved. Maybe it's your day to get healed. Maybe it's your day to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's your day to come out of an addiction. Maybe it's your day to get set free. Maybe it's today is your day for your marriage to be healed. Maybe today is that day. Okay? So let's believe that God has an appointment for us this morning. For everything, there is a season, a set time, a time for every purpose under heaven. You see, when Solomon wrote this, if you go on and read the rest of chapter 3, you find out that pretty much all he could see was that Life had really dealt him a bad, it was a bad deal. And all he could see was, well, if this is all I got, I'm just going to eat, drink, and be merry. I'm just going to enjoy what I got. Because, see, at this point in his life, he wasn't even sure there was anything beyond this life. He even compared himself to an animal. He compared humans to animals. We're just going to be dust. We're just going to go away. But there's one thing he said in there in chapter 3, if you go read it, you'll find out that he did not, he never, he, he never quit believing in an eternal God. In all that his writings, he still believed that God was eternal. He just didn't know how all this was going to work out. He didn't have the whole picture like we do. Because we know it goes beyond this. Hallelujah. Praise God. It goes beyond this. So he says there's a time to tear. There's a time to sow. A time to keep silence and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time of war and a time of peace. So first we're going to look at that first part of verse 7. There's a time to tear and a time to sow. Now, I picked out from the expanded Bible. Maybe some of you have never seen it. Somebody gave me an expanded Bible. I think it was Pam that gave it to me. And it, it's really a, probably an updated version of the uh, Amplified, a more modern version of the Amplified. And I looked at 2 Corinthians 13 and verse 10. And so if you want to follow me up here, it says, I am, this is Paul. I'm writing this while I'm away from you so that when I come, I will not have to be harsh or severe in my use of authority. The Lord gave me this authority to build you up, not to tear you down. Now, finally, brothers and sisters, I say goodbye or be joyful, rejoice, a common greeting and farewell. Live in harmony. Say harmony. He said that means to seek restoration or mend your ways. He said, I didn't come to tear you down, but you need to mend your ways. Do what I ask you to do. Follow my exhortation or encourage and exhort one another. Agree with each other. Live in unity. Live in peace. Then the God of love and peace will be with you. And greet each other with a holy kiss. You see, when Paul was writing the letters to the churches that he had established, much of his letters had to be correction. 
He had to write, go back and read. He had to correct, the, especially the church at Corinth. It was messed up. And this was a new church. This was a fairly new church that he had helped establish. And as they were growing and growing and growing, there was more and more of the world getting in and seeping into the church. And they were doing some weird things. And taking communion was even weird for them. And he had to bring correction. But you think, listen, do you think any pastor likes to bring correction to anybody? Because you're mistaken if you think pastors love to bring correction. Men, if, if there's one part of this job, if you want to call it a job, it's a calling. But if there's one part of this calling, I've got to watch that line there, that I don't enjoy, and that's confrontation. Now, some of you may like confrontation. Some of you may like to, you know, you might like, might like to meet them at the door and say, man, i got some things to tell you. I don't care for confrontation. I, you know what? I, my, my, first, my first avenue of confrontation is, oh, God, do something so I don't have to. Holy Spirit, move so I don't have to. And so many times he's, just, he's been faithful to do that. He intervenes and, and something happens and, and I'm going, thank you, Jesus. I, I didn't have to do, I don't have to confront somebody. Because if I confront them, you know, they may, not, they may not like me anymore. They may get mad at me. They may leave the church. They may do this. They may do that. Because the enemy is always putting these thoughts in my head. If you confront, you know. So Paul, he didn't want to confront them. That's why he starts out when he says this, because when I'm away from you, he says, I I don't have to come all the time. When I show up, I'd rather write you and confront you than when I show up and have to confront you. So he was being very gracious to the church here by saying that. He said, listen, you need to seek restoration. You You need to mend your ways. Because when we confront people, how many of you have confronted somebody, and when you confronted them, and it was in truth, and it was in love, because that's the way we're taught, taught to confront in the, in the, in the Word. We, we confront with truth, and we confront with love, right? Amen? But how many of you know when you do that, a lot of people get offended anyway? They just get offended. And so that's that, that's that thing. Well, I've, if I confront them, they might get offended at me. See, the Bible says you're going to be offended. Jesus offended people all day long. You don't think the Pharisees were offended. They were so offended that they killed him. The Bible says that we can be offended, that we will be offended. Here's the thing. He says, don't take up an offense. See, once you are confronted with something and it's the truth and you know it's the truth and then you take up an offense, that's when the enemy moves in and he takes over. That's when he's got the whole situation in his hand. So then we have to be careful. I, I forgive them. I, I, I'm not going to take up an offense. I'm not going to walk in this. We did a whole series on, on the bait of Satan by John Bevere last, last, last year into the spring. We were talking about not to take up an offense because the enemy works that way. So Paul's very carefully said, listen, I, I've, I've come. I've, I've done some tearing down so I can build you up. That's the whole purpose when I confront somebody. So from that, they, they can be built up. Let me tell you what, what happened for Mary Lou and myself. I want to talk about tearing down and, and, and been, then restoring or being renewed, if I can turn this page. Because here's the thing. We've seen there's, there's hurricanes, there's been flooding and all this, and we have a couple with us this morning who were actually rep- res- rescued from a tree, right, Bobby? And the injunction when the flooding was so bad last week. Rescued from a tree. You, you see, but when these homes are when these homes are flooded, you know what they have to do to the home? They have to tear it down so they can start over again. Sometimes they still have their foundation. 
And so Mary Lou and I, when we're in our uh, in our 40s and we're we're serving the Lord, we're serving faithfully in churches, we're serving on staff, we're serving in, in, in areas of worship, we're serving in areas of the college ministry. And then all of a sudden we get baptized in the Holy Spirit. And so God says, I've got to tear some things down from you. I've got to do away some things that you, you, you you're going to have to unlearn some things, Harold. Mary Lou, you're going to have to unlearn some things. So I, it's, it was like a tearing away so that he could actually mend us and build us up and restore us to where he wanted us to be. You understand? People say, how did you get going? How did y'all start this church? I said, one thing it was like in my mind, it was like everything that I knew about church. Everything I know about church, let's, let's pretend this is a chalkboard. And everything I know about church, everything I know about the Bible, everything I know about how we're supposed to walk, all these things, how we're supposed to do everything. It was like it was all on this chalkboard. And God said, now take an eraser and, and erase it all. I said, okay, God. And so I erased everything that I knew. And he said, now go to the board of God, go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and Acts, and see what the church really is supposed to be. See who I really am. Because church, religion has made me something that I'm not. So it has, to be, it has to be ripped out of us sometimes. And sometimes it's painful. But when it's ripped out of us and we're, we're emptied, then all of a sudden God can fill us with the Holy Spirit. He can begin to teach us. We can begin to grow. We can begin to have. We already had the foundation of Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. We knew Jesus Christ. He was our Lord and Savior. There was no way that we, we did not know that. We knew that. But he said, I want to build you in a different way. So this morning, if, if you have learned certain things in your life, you have to be willing to say, God, I want to know if this is true. God, I want to know if this is real. And you have to go back to him. you got to go back to the word. you got to ask the Holy Spirit to give you direction in those areas of your life. So when it's torn down, it can be rebuilt. You know, we talk about that in, in, in relationship to our ministry. But I want, you to tell, I want to tell you the same thing. Marriages are the same thing. Relationships inside and out church, outside the church are the same thing. Paul said again, I'm going to read it again. Live in harmony. Seek restoration. Mend your ways. Do what I've asked you to do. Follow my exhortation. Encourage, exhort one another. Agree with each other. Live in unity. Live in peace. Listen, if you will apply that to your marriage, your marriage will be great. If you'll apply that to relationships, your relationships will be great. Amen? And then what happens? He says, when you do that, he says, then the God of love and peace will be with you. Now, it doesn't mean that God's left you. It just means you're not going to walk in peace if you're, if you're walking in, in all this disunity and this division in your life or in your church. There won't be any peace, right? So he says to do certain things so you can know the love of God. You can walk in his peace. And then he says, then you can greet each other with a holy kiss, right? So the first thing I want to ask you this morning is, are you willing to let some things in your life be torn down so God can renew you and restore you? That's called a teachable spirit. Say, I've got a teachable spirit. Are there people in your life you'd rather give a holy kick to than a holy kiss? If they're the people in your life you want to give a holy kick to, then there's probably some offense in your life that you would need to repent of. Let's move right along. It's your choice. It's your choice. Second part of verse 7, there's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Second Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. I know a lot of people, they like that, that saying, preach the gospel and, if poss- and when, when necessary, use words. And that's attributed to St. Francis, but it really wasn't him that said it. Nobody really knows who said it. I said it <laughs> just then. Preach the gospel, but ne- if necessary, use words. You know what? That's kind of a false, that's a, there, there's a false leading in that. There really is, because the Bible says we got to preach the word. It said we really need to proclaim the word. It's got to come out of our mouth. So you can use the excuse, well, you know, I'm just living, I'm just living a good example before them. Well, that's great, because your, your talk should line up with your walk, and walk should line up with your talk, right? But there comes a time when it's time to quit being silent, and it's time to start speaking. He says it right here. There's a time to be silent, and there's also a time to speak. And Paul says very clearly, we need to be ready to speak in season and out of season. Really, what does that mean? That means whatever God says to do in his timing, do it. Because this idea that I'm just going to live it before them, and I, because I might offend them if I speak. Listen, if the Holy Spirit says it's time to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ, then you need to tell them the good news of Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry about what they're going to have. They're going to respond. Because listen, if God tells them, he's probably already prepped them to receive what you're going to say. The seeds have already been sown. You didn't sow the seeds. Somebody else sowed the seeds, possibly. Somebody else came along and watered. Somebody else came along and fertilized. And all of a sudden, you get to the joy of seeing a harvest because now you're, God, Holy, Holy Spirit says, speak. Tell them, John 3, 16. Tell them that Jesus loves them. Tell them that there's eternal life through Jesus Christ. Tell them that he's the one and the only way. I don't care what they say about their religion. I don't care if they say they're Buddhist or they're whatevers. Listen, you tell them that Jesus Christ is the only way. And I'm going to tell you, if God's already told you to say that then he's got a timing set just for that appointment for you to speak it the problem is we miss those appointments and he gets he has to use somebody else for see when i miss the appointment of justice of the peace got the privilege of doing a marriage ceremony for that beautiful couple so when you miss appointments god will get somebody else to do it but you're going to miss the blessing don't want to miss the blessing and then have that story to tell the rest of your life It's time for us to speak in the church, outside the walls of the church. Look at 2 Timothy 4, 3 through 5, continuation of what I just read. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. But you be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. There are more religions now than there have ever been in the history of mankind. There are more false teachings now than there have ever been in the history of mankind. You know why? Because we've had this thing called the Internet. I know people that live and die and all their life, all their, their doctrine is all formed by the Internet. And I'm telling you, it's a dangerous place to be if you're going to go in there and try to prove something or see a contradiction in the Bible. If you want, listen, it's all there. All the wrong, all the false teaching is in the internet. 
Now, I know there's a lot of good in the Internet, and I'm not discounting that. But there are so many now, so many new religions that are just cropping up. And you can get ordained. All you got to do is send $25 to Joe Blow in, in, in uh, Tuscaloosa, and you can be an ordained minister of the, the Church of Saskatchewan. I don't know. But, there, you know, you can, be a, you can be a minister of somebody somewhere, some church somewhere, and then you can perform a ceremony. And you may not know the truth from a, a box of green apples like Ron says. You wouldn't know the truth if it came up and bit you. But we have that, and we have that to deal with in our, in our culture. Because you're going to come up against people that are going to say, but yeah, I just read this on the internet. I just watched this on YouTube. And they're going to try to do refute and dispute and all those things. All you got to do is love them and speak the truth in love and tell them about Jesus Christ and leave the rest of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to convince people. You can just tell them about Jesus. You can show them the love of Christ. Is there a time to be silent? You better believe there is. There's a time when the Holy Spirit said, uh-uh, don't say anything. Remember when Jesus said, listen, I'm going to heal you, but don't go tell anybody. When he was brought before his accuser, it says he didn't say anything. There's a time to be silent, church, but there's a time to speak. And in our country, the best way I can tell you to speak, if you're concerned about the politics of our country, is to V-O-T-E. You can, Jeff was kind of stealing my thunder. He's kind of getting into my sermon a while ago. But your opinion, I mean, everybody's got one. But if you want to make a difference in our culture, vote. If you're old enough, just go vote. Quit talking and go vote. I know people that talk, 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 but they don't vote. I was always told if you don't vote, you don't have a say-so. But the people with the biggest mouths and yell the loudest and all this, they don't even vote. But, boy, they're the first to get in line to tell you that, man, I can't believe that they just made that law. That's how political I am, V-O-T-E, vote. If you need to learn how to vote, if you need some information on voting, we have a lady, we have a resource in our church. Her name is Kat Rowalt. She has these hands. She can give you a handout. She can help you. And because I, I'm, not, I'm not political, but I am moral. And a lot of politics and morals, they line, they, they, they embed together. I will, I will preach against certain things, and you've heard me preach them, and I'm not going to go into that today, but I'm going to tell you, there are morals in the Bible that are unchangeable. It's a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to prepare yourself through prayer, fasting, and the word to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ when Holy Spirit tells you to? It's your choice. It's your choice. Ecclesiastes 3.8. A time to love. There's a time to love and a time to hate. Psalm 97.10 says, You who love the Lord hate evil. He preserves the soul of his saints. He delivers him out of the hand of the wicked. Light is sown for the, for the righteous and gladness for the upright in heart. Rejoice in the Lord, you righteous, and give thanks at the remembrance of his holy name. See, some people say it's impossible. It's impossible to, to separate the sin from the sinner. Well, that's just a lie. You can hate the sin and love the sinner. See, people say, well, Christians say that. Listen, it's, it's the truth. You know, there are certain, there are, God said he hates sin. He said he hates it. He said we should abhor it. We should abhor evil, hate evil, love God and hate evil. 
And yet we, we try to we sometimes we get confused as Christians and begin to hate the person instead of the, the sin that they're committing. We start we, we somehow we forget the scriptures said that flesh and blood are not our enemies. So we go after the flesh and blood instead of learning how to pray and, and learning how to speak and how to and how to fast and how to do the things that will change the culture of our of our of our community. See, we want to change the United States of America, but some of you don't want to change your own household. Oh, revival, I want revival, I want revival. Are you, are you revived at home? Are you seeking the Lord at home? Are you teaching your children at home? You see, we can go out, we can try to win the world, but some people, they'll win the world, but they'll lose their own families. we got to start at home, church. We need to learn how to love the sinner and still hate the sin because sin is detestable to God. But we can't, we've got to separate them. When that person's in a homosexual lifestyle and you say, man, I can't stand them. Then you're saying, God, you messed up. And you start judging people and saying that they're not, they're not worthy. And then listen, God's going up there. No, 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 no. I created them. That's my child. That's my creation. Quit speaking against them. Start praying for them. Start loving them. We've run more people off, and I'm talking about the global church. We've run more people off by hating the sinner instead of loving them. I love it when, when Betty says we're going we're gonna to have a deliverance night, and it's going to be dealing with the witchcraft. Man, if you've got witchcraft in you, you know what? You're going to come in here. You're going to get loved. I don't, I don't care if you've got tarot cards in your purse right now or you got a dead chicken. Come on down because we love you. I don't know where that came from. You said chicken earlier in the class. That's where I... I don't care if you're hooked on dope. I don't, I don't care if you're in an adulterous relationship. I mean, I care, but I'm going to love you anyway. If your marriage is falling apart, I'm going to love you anyway. We can't do that, guys. We just close the doors and go home. But we need to learn to hate evil. Where it repulses us in our own life. When we, when we sin, instead of pointing at everybody else, and God says, hey, wait, 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 wait. Get the plank out of your own eye, then you can go help them. But even with a plank in our eye, guys, we can still love people. We can. We can. The last verse I read about um, time to be silent and time to speak kind of bled over when I was studying and preparing into the loving time to love and a time to hate. And it's so funny. I didn't even tell Mary Lou. She was listening to somebody uh, last night about the power of our words and uh, how these scientific studies are just prove the Bible. You know, if they're really, truly scientists that are, are not trying to disprove something and just trying to prove something. And she said, you know, there, there, really, there really is something about speaking to your plants in the love. Because we put out... Uh, there's these frequencies. There's, there's something about our voices uh, that God designed 
So it brings peace or it brings division. Why do you think people, when they argue, they don't argue? Honey, they yell. You know, they yell at each other. You've heard this verse, and I don't know why we weren't taught this when we were younger. We just weren't. Uh, Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. You know, everybody, most everybody misquotes that. They always say li- uh, uh, life and death. It's death first in life and the power of the tongue. Now, the message, whew, I don't use the message very often, but this is better. Listen to what the message say, says. Words kill. Words give life. They're either poison or fruit. You choose. The way you speak is really tied into the way you love. It really is. They just fit together. What are you speaking? What what are the words that come out of your mouth? We teach this all the time, but sometimes I say we teach it all the time, and we haven't taught it in a while. I just read it all the time. Everybody that comes for marriage counseling or premarital counseling, we keep a stock of books called The Power of Your Words by Robert Morris. It's not about marriage, but it's about marriage. It's about marriage. It's about life. It's about living a life that's full. Power of your words. See, we, until we had this teaching, we didn't know that how important every word that was coming out of our mouth was. We didn't understand how word curses could happen. Well, you idiot. Don't do that again. Talk to your kid. Well, you idiot. Well, you just word cursed your child. See, that's all you can do. You couldn't make an A in a class. Are you that dumb? That's a word curse. You'll never make it to college. What are you talking about? You want to go plan for college. You're not smart enough to make it in college. That's a word curse. We think, oh, we're just speaking truth in love to our children. No, you're word cursing them. You'll never be, you'll never amount to anything. You're just going to be a no good drunk just like your daddy. Now, I told you I met the guy that said his mother spoke that over him. And I said, what is your life? He said, I've been a no good drunk like my daddy. He received that word curse and became his identity. So I want to tell you this morning, all in love, watch your words. Ask the Holy Spirit to put a guard on your mouth when you want to say something negative. Because it is either life or it's death. It's either good or it's bad. If you're one of these people that likes sarcasm, listen, check your sarcasm. Check your put downs because you do it and then you put LOL or JK for just kidding. Because there's a truth behind that that you may not even think you're speaking, but it is. I mean, I've. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. Did your life consistently promote love or hate? Is your language pleasing to God? Now I'm going to start meddling. If someone were to read all your social media posts or overhear your conversations at work at the water cooler, would they say that you're a lover or a hater?
You know, First John is it's one of those books, Candy, sometimes I just don't like to read it. You know, some of the, the things when it kind of gets like a little difficult, just I'm just going to skip that one. But listen to what he says. This is, this is pretty in your face. First John 4.20. If someone says, I love God and hate his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? That's a word for somebody this morning, and it's actually your brother. You got a hatred toward your brother. It's a word for somebody. And you say you love God. And God says in his word, "Uh uh-uh, I shouldn't be. Out of the same mouth shouldn't come blessing and cursing, right? So if if you've got an issue with your brother or your sister or somebody, and you're not speaking to them because they've offended you or whatever, don't wait for them to come to you. All right? Last question before we move on to the last one. Is there somebody that you hate? Don't answer it out loud. <laughs> Is there somebody you hate? You just hate. I'm not telling you somebody you dislike. I'm not talking about somebody that, you know, if you see them in the grocery store, you're going to go down the other aisle. I'm, not talking about, I'm talking about somebody you hate. Matter of fact, you wish them dead. If they weren't alive, you'd be happy. It's your choice if you're going to stay in that place or you're going to repent and get your life right with God. It's your choice. And lastly, I think it's last. There's a time of war and a time of peace. You see, he wrote this pre-war at Calvary. The war has been won. There was a time of war. Jesus went to the cross and he paid for your sins and my sins and everybody else's sins. He satisfied the requirements of his heavenly father. He went to the grave. He died for our sins. And Satan probably pretty much thought, yes, I won. I have dominion. I want to rule and reign. And then somebody tapped Satan on the shoulder and said, uh, the tomb's empty. The tomb's empty. What do you mean? He's back. (laughs) He won the war. Because he won the war, we should be at peace. Our lives shouldn't be a wreck. Our lives shouldn't be upside down. Our lives shouldn't be turmoil. Turmoil. Our life shouldn't be a, a constant roller coaster. Our life shouldn't be uh, hinging upon the, the circumstances of your life, if they're good or they're bad. You're peaceful if they're good. If you're, you're all messed up if they're bad. Our life shouldn't be that way, guys. It just shouldn't be. We should be the most consistently peaceful people in the world, just like we should be the most happy people in the world, the most joyful people in the war, world. Because we have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. All those things are in us through the Holy Spirit. Self-control, we have these things within us. We should be at peace. So why aren't Christians at peace? Why are they still battling a war that's already been won? Why are we still engaging the enemy when he's already been defeated? Why are we 
Why do we have to have deliverance night over and over and over? Because some of you, you the battle, you know, the, the, the war has been won, but you're still battling every day because you're not at that place of peace. You haven't entered into the rest of God. And you're still trying to do things in your flesh instead of letting Holy Spirit run your life. That's the difference. The war is won. Say, the war has been won. You know how I know that? I've read the end of the book. We win. That's why, that's why Paul said, to live is Christ, to die is gain. I'm not afraid of dying because we won. Jesus has already won the victory for us. He's got a new body for us. Thank God. He's got a new house for us. He's, he's getting our house ready. We win. And yet we walk around like we're the biggest losers of all. I'm a Christian. Hi, how are you? We should have, I'm a winner because Jesus won. I'm victorious because Jesus was victorious. And I had the peace past his understanding. He won the war. He set the captives free. He conquered the grave. He satisfied the requirements of his heavenly father. You see, the world will try to tell you if you get this, if you drink that, if you drink this, you inject this, you watch this, you inhale that then you can be at peace. That's the way the world figures out that we can have peace. And God says, that's maybe the world's peace, but it's not my peace. His peace surpasses the world's peace. You can have temporary peace in the world. We can have temporary uh, uh, time from, uh, from war. And, and we call it we're in peacetime. But it's not, the, it's not the God peace that he wants us to have. I was looking up the word peace. I didn't look up all the other, like peaceable and all that. There are over 90 verses just in the New Testament alone that deal with the peace of God. Just the peace of God. 90 verses. John 14, 26. I want to read all 90. You ready? Not really. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. And bring to your remembrance all things that I've said to you. Peace I'll leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. You've heard me say to you I'm going away and coming back to you. If you loved me you would rejoice because I said I'm going to the Father. For my Father is greater than I. You know why we can rejoice? Why he said you could rejoice? Because he said, I'm sending the Holy Spirit to inhabit your life, to fill you up and give you the peace that you can't even fathom. Philippians 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. You know, you read that, you go, well, what does he mean? He means don't worry. Be anxious for nothing. But in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your request be made, to, made, be made known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends or surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. If your prayer life is, is, is a prayer life without thanksgiving, if your prayer life is fear-based, then you're still going to be at unrest in your heart. You come to the throne of grace. Grace. You bring your petitions to the Lord. You thank him that he's already paid the, he's already paid the price. You thank him that he's already won the war. You thank him that you've already been healed. You thank him for all the things that he's already done for you. 
And you do it without worry, without fear. And you say, you come to, you come to this throne, throne confidently, boldly, with faith. John 16, 33, these things I've spoken to you that in me you may have what? Peace. In the world you will have tribulation. He didn't say we weren't going to have troubles. He said you're going to. But he said, in the midst of that, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. I've won the war. And finally, Romans 12, 18, he says this to us as believers. If it is possible. Now, it's not always possible or he wouldn't have said if. If it is possible, as much as depends on you, live peaceably with all men. We should be peacemakers, peacekeepers. We walk in peace. What is keeping you from experiencing God's peace today? Would you stand? We'd have the ministry team come. You know what excites me about being pastor here? Is that I see... In this new season, so many of you wanting to get free. I see so many of you wanting everything God has for you. I just see that there's a, a, there's a newfound uh, uh, revival that's taking place within individuals. That's where it's got to start. But you're hungry. You, you want that peace that passes understanding. You're not, you're not willing to settle for what the world, the crumbs that the world's going to throw you. You want what God has for you. That's what excites me and Mary Lou. That's what excites our pastors and our elders. That's what excites us is that God is moving here. And it's not like he's just moving and leaving and going on because nobody wants to hear what he has to say. You're staying, you're coming back, and you're saying, I want this. I want to walk in the peace that passes understanding. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to, I want to lay hands on the sick. I want to see people recover. I want to do what God said we could do. That, that's what excites us. And you may not be at that place yet. That's okay. Because all of us are maybe we're in different seasons of our life, but I'm praying that's what we're calling people in to get closer to that, to come closer into his presence, to come closer into his, to his presence of, of healing, come closer to him in the, in the area of, of letting go of the world and drawing close to him and submitting to God and drawing closer to him and, and walking in repentance, walking in, 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 in being able to forgive people, to walk in this thing called uh, where you're not, where you're not uh, taking up an offense, but you're letting go of some things that the enemy has had you in a cage for all of your life. That's what excites us is that you want to be free. And that, that's why God said 18, 19 years ago, we said, God, what are we supposed to call this, this group of believers? And he said, freedom, fellowship, freedom, liberty. Jesus said, I have come to set the captives free. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. That's what he's called us to. So bow your heads, close your eyes. As the Holy Spirit deals with you this morning, as he says you need to walk forward, you need prayer, would you obey the Holy Spirit? As the Holy Spirit speaks to somebody this morning, it says, You've been angry at your brother too long, angry at your sister too long. Lord, give me the strength to do, to deal with that and walk in forgiveness. For that person here this morning says, you know, I just walked in. I didn't know what I was getting into. 
But now I know the Father's been drawing me, the Holy Spirit's drawing me into a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, we want to pray for you. We want to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this day, for this message. Father, I thank you that you've called us out. We're supposed to look different than the world. I thank you, Lord, that you empowered us to walk this walk. And, Father, for every person here this morning that's hungry and has been saying, I want more, may this be the day that they truly step into that and choose Jesus, choose everything you have for them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You come if you need prayer for anything, for anything, healing, baptism of the Holy Spirit, salvation, just step out and come. Come on, step out and come. We want to pray with you this morning. We have people in the back that will pray with you. We have people in the front that will pray with you. You saw somebody get baptized this morning. You said, you know what? I've never been water baptized. You wouldn't want to come talk, come talk to one of these ministers right here. They'll, they'll visit with you about baptism, but the importance of water baptism. Thank you, Lord.